Preseason has started in the NBA. A lot of things don't matter, but some things do. We'll tell you what to keep an eye on. And we'll also keep an eye on who's going to be the MVP. Yeah, it's still preseason, but we're watching it for you. And there was a scandal. Did Kobe flinch? Did he not flinch? We're not too worried about that, but we are going to play a game called Make Me Flinch. It's the Wednesday edition of Locked On NBA. You are Locked On the NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Welcome to the Wednesday edition of Locked On NBA, the daily podcast covering everything you need to know about the association. On Wednesdays, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, host of the Locked On Pelicans podcast, All Around Pelicans Insider, and you can find my written work over at LockedOnPelicans.com. And I'm John Corrales, co-host of the Locked On Celtics podcast. You can find me on RedsArmy.com, Boston.com, and on Twitter at RedsArmy underscore John. John, it's preseason. Teams are kind of still going through training camp. They've been open for about a week. They're trying to work out the kinks, getting game shape. Before we touch on all of that, though, how's your podcasting preseason going on? Are your transitions a little bit crisper? Are, is the chemistry with other co-hosts developing? How, how's your training camp going? I'm, I'm trying to podcast my way into shape. It's, uh, you know... I'll, a lot of guys want to go and do all these workouts, these podcasting workouts beforehand. But I, I feel like preseason is for working my way in, kind of just making making it kind of, I don't know. See, like right now, I'm, <laughs> it's, I'm, it's I have, not, I have nothing to say. Everybody. Like, so no. preseason for everybody. So I, I, I got no, no way. I'm podcasting my way into shape. I got nothing. Okay. Well, there we go. I, so let's just I'm say I'm saying that I'm joking. I'm joking because in tonight's Celtics game. Anybody who watched the Celtics game, which I do because I'm the Celtics guy, the uh, Chris Webber had one of the more, more ridiculous statements because they were talking about the Cavs having to work their way into shape and oh, sprints and drills and all the other stuff that they're working on. And he basically crapped all over it, saying, "Oh man, that's that's bunch of that's that's for the birds. You gotta you gotta play your way into shape. You come into camp and play your way into shape, and and then you go from there." So I was like, "Come on, man! Like today's NBA." That's not how it goes anymore, man. You you, you got to actually work. You got to come into camp in shape or else you got problems. You had me believe in that, which means you're probably in pretty good podcasting shape here because I was like, <laughs> okay, this is going to be an awkward segment, but <laughs> okay. So preseason games are playing and that's awesome, but they don't really matter. You're in a kind of weird position where there's some back-to-backs. You don't see stars playing nearly as much as maybe they used to in preseason. And it's kind of just tough to get a read on teams when you have a lot of guys out there that are summer league players that aren't going to make an NBA roster. So I think it's a good idea to maybe kind of tell people and help them kind of figure out what to take away from preseason games, what you and I are watching for. You know, how are you supposed to kind of read these things? So just on the bat, how much stock do you put into preseason? Well, it depends on what you're watching for, really. It, it, it does – there's nuance here. And I'm not looking – first of all, I'm not looking at the score at all. Like, not, none of that really matters. These guys aren't out there trying to win games necessarily. It gets competitive at the end. Much like an all-star game, the result doesn't matter. But they'll go out there and, and at the end, 
be into and invested in, in the result. But I want to see, and it depends on the team, young teams, I want to see if they can, have, if they have the discipline to do what they're supposed to do. Older teams, I want to see how invested they are. Are they kind of going through the motions? Are they in shape? Who's in shape? Who's not in shape? I want to see, like, for the Celtics, who are supposed to be very good, but young at the same time, I want to see how fluid they are. Uh, how are certain things going to work when there are multiple guys who deserve the ball? So there's at the top, you're looking for signs, signs of things where is, is it sloppy? Is the timing off? Uh, is somebody shot? Not there. Is somebody trying to work on something? I always make the comparison to uh, like spring training baseball where if a guy is giving up, like a guy can give up four home runs in a row because he's working on his curveball and he's trying to get his curveball right and he's throwing it in non-curveball situations. And if you're not understanding that he's doing that, you'd be like, wow, he sucks right now. He's giving up four straight home runs. They need to cut him. When you see it, right, right. But like if you're seeing a guy trying to add something to his game, whether it's attacking against contact, whether it's trying to go up in contested situations. A lot of times, some of these contested shots that you're seeing is a guy purposely trying to work on contested shots because he is Jason Tatum, and he needs to work on being comfortable in those situations. And you say, man, that's a horrible shot. Sometimes it is a horrible shot. Sometimes it's just something these guys are working on. They're trying to work on a play, and they're passing up options on certain plays so they can get through all of the different options and then get to the end, the last thing, and have that try to be the guy who finishes. So you're just trying to understand who's out there and, and what they're trying to accomplish before you make any real judgments. Yeah, like you said, it's kind of variable depending on the team, the situation they're in, maybe some of the expectations placed on them. I think a good example of this might be Markel Fultz right now, shooting threes, just trying to get his shot down. And the biggest thing isn't that he his shot doesn't look good or he makes a three or misses a three. It's the fact that he's taking it and maybe building some confidence on that and showing off what he can do in an actual game and develop his game further. And I think, like you said, it's it's little things you kind of look for. I, I call it almost like identities and things like that. Are teams working on things and doing the things that they talked about at media day, that they talk about in after uh, practices, during training camp, things like that? Look at a team like the Lakers who were playing last night against the Nuggets here in their first home game in L.A. And you can have fun and watch all of that and just be marveling at LeBron. But the bigger thing is they're playing really really fast and I think they were the second fastest team behind the Pelicans last season and LeBron's never really played in that hugely fast pace offense but look at how he's done and this team running after misses running after makes by the Nuggets too and I think that kind of gives you some insight on how like a Lakers team might play this coming year and what's working for them or what might they struggle with and it's kind of those type of things at almost like a base level that I'm kind of keeping an eye on during preseason. Yeah, you know, there, there are different styles. Like Some of these teams that are not great, they're going to be the ones that are saying, we've got to play fast, because that's that's how you win games when you're not great. I mean, look, I've been, one of my college teams was terrible, but we won games because we we ran more than anybody, played fast. We, we outran guys, and when you're the Lakers, and look, I'm, I'm, the Lakers probably could contend for 
a mid to end of the conference playoff spot. But they're they're just they're not great. They're they're they might win a series, maybe. My point is some teams might take them lightly. Maybe they're not the best example, but if you're a bad team and a team's going to take you lightly, the best chance you have to win is to take advantage of that team taking you lightly and run them out of the building. So if a team is buying into that, then yeah, you're going to see them really work hard. Again, back to the Cleveland thing. That's one of the things that they were talking about. The Cavaliers have set a uh, 12-second shot clock in their in their practices, and they're trying to get up and down the floor. Now, they only got 80 shots up against the Celtics. They need to take more if that's going to be effective. But some of these bad teams, they're trying to work on transition and transition defense to get stops and things like that. Some of the good teams, you're going to see them try to work through their sets. Their identity is getting these open shots for these guys in these situations without giving away too much, but they're clearly trying to work on pick-and-roll timing. Pick-and-roll timing is much more important for the Houston Rockets to finish to, to work on so you can get those big, strong finishes from uh, you know their, their – uh, uh, Jesus, just Clint Capella. Thank you. There we go. Uh, <laughs> I am podcasting my way into shape. That is true. So, <laughs> <laughs> see, we got a theme running now. But, but yeah. So w- that that goes back to my point of what you're looking for. So yeah, the Lakers are going to play fast because that's how, what's that's what they got. They got no shooters. They're gonna. They've got good. Yeah, they, they they actually might not have a choice other than doing it. It's also though right. what what Walton wants to do, and I think it's interesting to see that even with the arrival of LeBron James, they're not going to necessarily change kind of what makes them them. And I know they want to run that way. So um, I didn't mean to cut you off there, but yeah, it's it's kind of like that that you look for things that I think are kind of like a base level. What about on like individual players? And maybe we can use a guy like Luka Doncic as an example. What are you looking for rookies to show during these preseason games? We've seen some of them in summer league, but I mean that's more meaningless than preseason NBA is. I think for a rookie, it's just about getting the game speed down. Uh, again, going back to my guys, uh, looking at a guy like Robert Williams, going out there trying to set picks, you can see that he's a little uh, apprehensive. He's not sure when to go. Do I go now? Or do, okay, no, well, no. now I go. Now I go set the pick. And now I go set the pick here. Very mechanical. Uh, a guy like Doncic, those guys. Now, Doncic is a little bit of a different story because he's He's got that pro experience. Yeah. He does have an experience, but still the NBA is still another level. So he doesn't have apprehension necessarily because he's played important games against like big strong you know central european men you know with legs the size of tree trunks trust me i know from experience those guys are hard <laughs> to move <laughs> but so for him it's a little bit different for him he's trying to see i think part of what he's trying to do is how much of what do i have in my repertoire how much of that translates what can i do who can i cross over can i get this shot off can i get that shot off and then can I do it within this unique thing that that Dallas is putting out there where he's a power forward, but kind of like a point power forward playing alongside Dennis Smith, trying to run the team and and be off the ball and on the ball. So he's got a lot to figure out, just timing with his teammates, timing with the plays that are being set and then figuring out what skills do I have in my bag of tricks that translate and what do I need to work on 
what is it going to happen against the type of athletes that exist in the NBA that didn't exist somewhere else? So his preseason is different than, say, like a Kevin Knox or any of the other, you know, uh, Trey Young. Those guys that are, are trying to like, okay, do I figure out what passes can I get off? What, what speed am I supposed to run? How do you change speed? So rookie rookies have a lot to figure out on top of, and, and this goes back to another argument I'm going to, I'm not going to get into, but I'm going to bring up real rookie versus guy who's missed a year. These guys also have to figure out what buses do I get on? When does the plane leave? I, I was about what? to ask, did your rookie actually make it on time to things now in training camp and preseason? I will say Robert Williams, aside from the early hiccups that got the headlines has been wonderful on time. In fact, funny story with him. He left uh, on Sunday. The Celtics played on Sunday at like six, did a six o'clock start and the Patriots were playing a one o'clock game, but the Patriots play in Foxborough. And for people not in the Boston area, Foxborough is like 30 miles South of Boston. And I know that they show the Boston Scenics during Patriots games, but it's nowhere close. But he doesn't know that. And this is something that he's going to figure out. He left his apartment super, super early saying, well, Patriots are playing. I don't want to get caught in that traffic. And he was like at the at the garden in like 15 minutes. <laughs> so, so overcompensating, but good for him. Yeah. So he was there at like 1 o'clock in the afternoon for a 6 o'clock game. So he's getting it. He's slowly getting it. So he's been good. All right, that's good. So, look, we're not mentioning wins and losses. We're not mentioning a lot of other things. Again, it's preseason. That type of stuff doesn't matter. But at a baseline level, that's kind of what John and I, when we evaluate our teams and other teams as professional people on a podcast here tend to do, look for in these type of games, in these type of situations. We definitely recommend everyone do that as well. So before we get into the MVP odds, we all love a night out, whether it's seeing your favorite band in person or being there in the crowd to cheer on the Celtics or the Pelicans or whatever your favorite team is. With Vivid Seats, you can attend the concert, show, or sporting event of your choice at a great price. Vivid Seats is the top source for tickets for all the live events you want to go to. You can sort by price or look for seats in the section and row of your choice Always more fun when you're sitting by your friends. To make things even better, Vivid Seats is giving listeners of the podcast here an exclusive promo code for new customers to receive $20 off orders of $200 or more. Save even more money. Go to the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app. Use the promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, LOCKEDON, for $20 off orders of $200 or more as a new customer of Vivid Seats. Every purchase is backed by a 100% buyer guarantee from the biggest concerts and games to the hottest theater and more. Vivid Seats has it all. Download the app, enter the promo code LOCKEDON for $20 off orders of $200 or more as a new customer of Vivid Seats. Make a memory that lasts a lifetime and let Vivid Seats help get you to your favorite live event. All right, John, we mentioned that preseason doesn't matter. So do preseason NBA MVP odds matter? Not quite sure, but it's still kind of worth looking at the early favorites here. So I'll just quickly run down these. LeBron James is the favorite, and this is according to Bovada at plus 333. You've got Anthony Davis at number two, plus 450. Giannis at plus 500. James Harden then at plus 650. Kawhi Leonard, 950. Kevin Durant coming in at 1,000. Steph Curry, 1,200. Embiid, 1,500. Kyrie Irving almost there, making the top 10 at 
plus 1500 as well. And then finally, Russell Westbrook at plus 1600, rounding out the top 10. Should LeBron James just be the overall favorite right now to win the MVP award? Nope. Not even close. Uh, I mean, look, he, he, he's obviously an opportunity because he's LeBron. But the Lakers, look, what, what goes into an MVP? That you have to have a team that's good and you have to be the main reason why they're good or you have to be so damn amazing that the team results don't even matter. LeBron is not in a situation to do that anymore. He's he's in Los Angeles. I think this is a coasting year. I don't think he's going to play all 82 games like he did in Cleveland last year. I don't think he's going to be out there trying to win every game necessarily. He's going to take games off just to rest. He's going to he, I think he's just kind of going into this thinking it's a longer-term commitment. That's why he signed for four years. Next year, the year after, assuming they get somebody, that's going to be when he is part of a, a good enough team. So I just don't think the Lakers are going to be good enough, and I don't think Le- LeBron James is going to be sublime enough. He's going to be great because he's LeBron, but I don't think he's going to put up a season like that. He's just not in a position to do that. I don't think he wants to do that. I think they almost have it right. Uh, I think Anthony Davis and Giannis. Uh, Giannis is my favorite. Yeah, I, I think I actually like Giannis more than AD. Uh, before I get to that, on LeBron, I think he's going to get a lot of consideration if this Lakers team ends up at like five or six in the Western Conference playoff race, given what their record was last year. And basically that like they just kind of have a bunch of like misfits on this team. And you're going to look at this and be like, he dragged JaVale McGee. He dragged Lance Stevenson, Michael Beasley and all of these guys to like a decent playoff seed. And he's going to get all the credit for that. You know that. And I think that's probably helping in his favor. Also worth noting, I think I read this and I'm probably butchering this stat which is why I'm not going to cite anything here. The favorite for the MVP has not actually won it in like seven years. So basically, if that trend holds true, we just got to eliminate him right off the bat. But certainly the record, I think, is going to be the big thing that holds him back there. In terms of Anthony Davis, as much as I love him to win MVP, and he's kind of out, it seems like, on a mission to prove that he's the best player in the league. He's kind of speaking about it more than he ever has before. I think certain things are actually going to hold him back, and that might be new addition Julius Randle. When Randle's out there, he doesn't space the court for AD. AD's going to need to work off ball a little bit more, either shoot more threes, which he's not great at, or start to see his mid-range jumpers increase a little bit as he provides some space there for Randle. That's going to make him a less efficient player. I think that hurts him. Almost by default, I want to give it to Giannis here because we've also seen voters don't like to vote for the same guy in multiple years anymore. Yeah, I think Giannis has the best combination of everything that you need to win the MVP. He's on a a good team, not a great team. So first of all, he can lead that team to a better than expected result. Look at Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving, I don't think will be MVP, even if the Celtics win 60 games like I think they will. I don't think he's going to be the MVP because they have Tatum and Hayward and Horford and and Brown, and there's going to be a lot of – there's not going to be enough touches for him to be the guy on the best team. So I think Giannis can take his team from – if they challenge for the third seed, if they win 50-plus games, and and especially if they make a late run – I think Giannis can put himself in position because he's going to be the best guy and they've got 
some some shooting around him now, a little bit more shooting than before. He's got he's still what twenty four years old. He's putting on muscle. He's doing all those things. I, I feel like he's got that that combination of things where Milwaukee's going to be pretty good. They might be better than people expect. He'll be obviously the best player on that team. He's going to have some monster monster highlights, which is another thing you got to have. Yeah, you got to you got to be a highlight monster. And this guy. I mean, he could take off from the free throw line. He could stand at the free throw line practically and dunk it the way he's as long as he is. Uh, Davis is right there with him because Davis is on a mission, like you said. He, I think, the clutch sports in him now is is really pushing him to to get to that next level. I think that 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 agent switch is mostly. Um, endorsement driven and i think the way you get those endorsements is to be awesome and they're going to tra- he's going to try like hell to be awesome he, i don't know what that's going to mean for the and it's not to say that he never did before but i think he's going to be going out on a little bit more of an individual rampage this year than he has in the past and i think his team is going to really try and push the hell out of those highlights whatever he does so he can be in that top 5 conversation so it might come down to him and giannis battling it out so, yeah, I, I, I'm cool with that. And I like everything you said about AD right there and also the stuff <laughs> about clutch sports. It's not necessarily, I'm saying, about sw- switching markets, but that's a debate for another day. So we haven't mentioned James Harden here. Are we just kind of ruling him out because we feel the Rockets are going to lose more games than they did last year? And again, I don't think we're getting back-to-back MVPs unless something's really exceptional and we just don't see that coming. Yeah, I think it's going to be hard for him to duplicate that. Uh, I think it's going to be hard for Houston to duplicate what they did last year as a team. They That year, that run, was so focused on knocking off the Warriors. I, I think at the end, when Paul was hurt and Harden might have been a little gassed, I think that they're going to say, all right, look, we know we, know we proved that we were there. We're going to back off a little bit and not be as driven to prove anything. We're going to save it for the playoffs. So I think some of that is going to kind of go away for, for Harden and for the Rockets. So they might still end up the number one seed. It's hard to kind of predict the top of the West. Uh, I don't think any of the Warriors are going to be in that, in that mix because they're going to be coasting until March and they also tend to cancel each other out a little bit, I think, at this yeah. point, too. You look at that, and it's like, well, yeah, they're all going to be really good because they're all playing alongside all of these other threats, and they kind of hurt themselves that way a little bit. Yeah, so I, I don't know who is going to challenge those guys for uh, the MVP. The dark horse, I don't know if there is a dark horse that, that's going to rise up and and present himself the only guy I can think of is if Kawhi Leonard comes back and reminds everybody like, Oh yeah, you're Kawhi Leonard and has an awesome season for Toronto and Toronto takes the top seed. Then I can see people being mesmerized by his return and, and sneaking into the mix that way. Uh, 
I, no, I, I agree with that because that's literally the, the kind of next thought I was going to throw out there was I don't hate him particularly if you – I mean I don't hate Kawhi in general. I don't hate him for the odds you're getting for him if you took him at this from a betting aspect and I, I don't recommend you take my betting advice. Plus 950 seems pretty good for a team that conceivably could be the number one seed in the East or at least fighting for that. And if they are, and he's the best player on that team, kind of coming back, and then especially if they really kind of roll through the regular season and they kind of erase all of those old doubts of the Raptors raptoring, and he kind of eliminates that from the way people think, that's got to be a great narrative behind his MVP candidacy. Yeah. Now, okay, so I'm going to throw out a name that – no one is really talking about for, and I don't think he's going to get the MVP, but I think he might be the guy, you know, they, they give that fifth spot. There's like the three the, like, or ceremonial, four, the, the like ceremonial award like, there. Yeah. This guy had an amazing season and we want to recognize him. Rudy Gobert. I think Rudy Gobert is so impactful for the jazz and the jazz have the potential to be a higher than expected seed. And the and I'm not just kissing up to the boss on this, <laughs> but um, look, Houston, we just talked about them potentially coasting the Warriors. We know they're going to coast. So who does that leave left? Utah might be the third best team in the West. So if they're the third best team and they go on a massive run and especially if Gobert is out for like two or three weeks, like he's had that issue in the past. And they slump in those weeks, and it becomes obvious, like, oh, Gobert's the guy. He's he's the straw that stirs the drink. He could get in there. I mean, Donovan Mitchell obviously is the star, and he he could be the guy. It could be maybe it's one of those two. Maybe they cancel each other out. I don't know. All I'm saying is the Jazz have the potential to challenge for the top seed in the West by being a good and b taking advantage of the Rockets and the Warriors. If that happens, then all of a sudden, one of those two guys, and I think it would be Gobert because he'll probably be a defensive player in the year in that scenario, he could be, he could be a guy that gets that, that kind of, oh, maybe Gobert gets, gets in on this, especially if the other two guys don't have uh, sublime seasons. That, so that was interesting. When you were like, I'm going to pick someone off the board here, I thought you actually might go with Donovan Mitchell there. So you went with the another Jazz player, which is intriguing. I'll say the knock on Gobert, obviously the offense, though he's a very efficient player, and when he's scoring, he scores like quite well. Uh, it might be just the injury from last year, where I think he played under sixty percent of the team's minutes, basically, or like minutes he could have played, or seventy percent. I, I forget it. I'm butchering stats left and right in this segment here, but that's an interesting kind of like you said preseason for all yeah, of us. There we go. We'll get more specifics next um, on on all of that. So some just interesting names. Again, this is way too early. And also the action on these kind of things is meant to get it even across the board. So this isn't necessarily a reflection on how they think the MVP is going to go, just how they can get you to bet on it. But it is nice that the NBA is back. But you want to know what has always been here and doesn't even need to come back? And that's this podcast, the Locked On NBA podcast. We never went away this offseason, and we're still here for you every single day. Locked On NBA is your daily national NBA podcast. Every Monday, get the local experts with Josh Lloyd on the biggest stories. And then stay with Locked On NBA all week long with daily 30 minutes on everything going on around the association. Follow 
for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or tell your smart speaker to play podcast Locked On NBA. So maybe the biggest story of yesterday, since it was preseason after all, is the like Zabruder film breakdown of the Matt <laughs> Barnes throwing the ball at Kobe's face, Kobe not flinching, and Kobe being the ultimate competitor because of something like that. Then we get the overhead angle. Less impressive, huh? Yeah, well, look, I don't even know how this even came out. Why is that overhead angle out now? What? Why have we never seen that before? I know, I know. So, yeah, I, 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 I thought the the, um, I thought the no flinch thing was kind of cool. It was kind of fun. But like, people are like, "Oh my god, look at him not flinch." Well, I'm pretty sure he knew that Matt Barnes wasn't going to throw the ball in his face. Like, e- even though he's Matt Barnes. This wait, hold. This he, is he a could, dude who cool. was driving seventy-five miles to, and I think the quote is, "Kick the shit out of Derek Fisher." End quote. Yeah, <laughs> sure, but I don't know. But even in that moment, like I think people overreacted to it, and now to yeah. see that the ball wasn't even like directly towards his face it was like it was a little for people who were like really into that moment. This this kind of crushes your world a little bit. For people like me, and of course I'm a Boston guy, so there's a oh, you, ticket you're out probably loving home. this. I, I was like, oh. I'm like, <laughs> all right, yeah, whatever. But it, look, Kobe knew. It, this is this is the thing. I don't care that this is that he flinched, didn't flinch. What I care about is Kobe knew this whole time. He knew this whole time that that ball wasn't directed at his face, and he let this legend grow. So he never said anything. I was going to say that it was also Matt Barnes too. He talked about that moment and said like when he threw the ball, like fake threw it at Kobe and Kobe didn't flinch. It made him want to join the Lakers and play with Kobe. And they were both lying about this moment that didn't happen and like built it into this legend. And now it's like years later, we get the real footage and it's like, oh, okay, whatever. So that's kind of disappointing. And yeah, maybe in that situation, a normal person wouldn't flinch because it's not going at their face. But that's not fun to talk about as much as you and I coming up with weird scenarios where we can make the other person flinch. So I think we talked about this before we started recording. There's like an old TV show, something like that, called Make Me Laugh. Or I, I don't know. I have vague recollections of this. Someone sits in a chair. People come in and just try and make them laugh, and they try and sit there and not laugh. So, John, we're sitting in our, I don't know, VR chairs here with all the VR technology that we have available to us because it's whatever year. we uh, got to try and make each other flinch. So, pretend, imagine you're sitting in a chair. I've got a scenario for you. And this is actually based on a true story. Mm-hmm. We're going to take you back a couple of days ago. It's a preseason game. It's in overtime. And you kind of look at the box score because you were intrigued by these two teams. Not really. That's why you're only looking at the box score and not mm-hmm. paying attention to the game. And you look in a quarter and you see one team, the Wizards, had four technical fouls in <laughs> a quarter in a preseason game. Do you flinch when you see that box score? Does, does laughing count? Because I laugh my ass off at that box score. But I don't I, – I, I can look at it and – Try to keep a straight face. You made me laugh. I don't know if flinching counts. Does that count? I don't, know. Does I don't know. Like, I think I would look at it and I kind of like, you kind of do like a jump take kind of thing where you like shake your head. That kind of looks like a flinch. That, but that's maybe... the game where Markeith Morris got kicked out because of his beef <laughs> yeah. with Mitchell Robinson, which the quotes afterwards were the best. But um, 
I, I I laugh, and if you count that as flinching, then that means I flinched. But I could not resist the laughing, like I just did. Well, I mean, it's it's not going to be a, a Wednesday edition of Locked On NBA unless we rag on the Wizards somehow. So yeah, true. <laughs> I had to get that in, and the Knicks too, I guess. So okay, so my scenario for you, and this is easy. You are, it's like a dream scenario, and you're at your house, and there's a knock on the door, and as soon as you open the door, you're magically transported to the middle of the lane, and Giannis Antetokounmpo, it's just you and him. Oh, man. Um, it's <laughs> And I'm assuming he's got the ball, and he's just going for he's, a dunk over me here. He, you're the last thing in his way. I, I don't, so I don't know if it's flinching. I think it might or be crying. Yeah, it might be like cowering in fear is is probably Soiling the yourself. way. To, yeah, describe it like curling up in the fetal position and hope he doesn't land on me. Uh, question: You don't flinch because he's going to jump clear over you because that's what Giannis Antetokounmpo does. There we go. That was good. That's I guess like all the people in the dunk competition don't flinch when that kind of is happening. And like this guy's so good that yeah, he's not going to hit me. He's just going to go around me. Yeah, or I over just, me, I guess. In the, I just in this. loved last year when he, dunk, he jumped clear over. So I forget who it was, but oh he yeah, over somebody, right over somebody in transition. Oh, he might win MVP. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, I got okay. one more more right, for I'm you going, here. I'll go. Um, and then, then we can finally maybe put this one behind it. You're gonna hate me. Um, you, you're in a classroom. You're sitting at one of those like desks that have like the desk attached to the chair and Kyrie Irving comes up with just a flat, <laughs> a flat earth. Now, given his most recent comments, do you flinch? No, I do not flinch. I stare him down and I say, you're full of crap. You troll. Oh, okay. That was like uh, defiant. I said, apologize, apologize for your false words. <laughs> and this uh, is how he goes to join the Knicks. <laughs> um, you know, I'm really done flinching at Kyrie Irving, what he says, because it's he is he is a unique, unique individual. And he did just apologize the other day for the flat earth stuff. Like we had this conversation here and he's he was like, look, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, science teachers. They had to you know, change your curriculum. He also said that he wants to when he retires, go off the grid and live in a commune. But just a couple months ago, he said he wants to. <laughs> own a TV network. So I can't tell, I can't tell anymore. So when, when you're numb to what he says, I, I, I literally, I can't, I just can't flinch at that anymore. Oh, okay. That's a good one. That makes sense. Okay. Here's, here's another scenario for you. You have been drafted. Okay. You have, you're living your NBA dream. You show up to camp. Okay. This is another dream where you don't know exactly where it is. You know, you got practice gear on. It doesn't have a team name on it. Door opens, in walks your coach, and it's Tom Thibodeau. <laughs> Is he also the uh, the president of he's basketball? He's, he's in charge of everything. He's in charge of everything. He owns the team too. Oh God! Um, I hold this problem. I probably just put my head down and shake and be like, "Okay, I got a contract for this many years. In the final <laughs> year, I can maybe try and force a trade if I play well enough." 
and just kind of go through the motions. There will definitely be times when you flinch when he's yelling at you in the fifth hour of your practice on a Wednesday with a game tomorrow that's for some reason in an earlier tip-off at like 4 o'clock, and you're just tired and want to rest, but I'm probably going to definitely flinch then. Maybe, to, I don't know, avoid like the spittle flying out of his mouth. I keep giving you nightmare scenarios. Like, what if, what if Doc Rivers and Tom Thibodeau in their grand hoarseness saying, row, row, row your boat in the round. I, I'm, like, struggling <laughs> to, like, comprehend, like, trying to get a visual image it of would, that. And... It would just sound like bears humping in the woods is basically what it would sound like. Rhythmic, <laughs> rhythmically. Oh, I, oh, man. So that's I'm probably a good spot. Shit, yeah, it's preseason for all of us here, even I'm though the podcast has never gone away. Um, it's also preseason on our time limit, too. So, of course, I like our, our fun third segments here, but that's definitely on that image of bears humping in the woods. Um, a great way to end the Wednesday edition of Locked on NBA. It's so, your fault, Jake. You went long what, and you just let me keep talking. This is my you idea for this segment, too. Yeah. Preseason, uh, we're all getting into – at least the transitions were good here. So, <laughs> so that's going to do it for this edition, the Wednesday edition of Locked On NBA. Thank you all for listening. If you're a new listener, please listen, subscribe, share with your friends. We're here Monday through Friday for you all. If you've been listening for a long period of time, we appreciate you. Thank you for being around since the beginning. This is a lot of fun. We like to have fun on here as well as give you actual useful information. So as always on the Wednesday edition, I'm Jake Madison, host of the Locked On Pel- podcast you can find me on twitter at nola jake and you can find me on twitter at reds army underscore john i of course am the co-host of the lockdown sell this podcast find my work on redsarmy.com and boston.com thank you all for listening we'll be back with you all next week